Chapter Twenty Nine, Part Two of the Children of the Abbey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Children of the Abbey by Regina Maria Roche. Chapter Twenty Nine, Part Two after traversing several streets in an agony no language could describe he returned to portman square his fancy presented amanda to his view overwhelmed with shame and sinking beneath the keen reproaches levelled at her in the idea of her sufferings all resentment for the supposed perfidy was forgotten human nature was liable to err and the noblest efforts that nature could make was to pardon such errors to speak comfort to this fallen angel he felt would relieve the weight which pressed upon his own breast pale and disordered he entered the room and found the ladies apparently much affected my dear lord said the marchioness i am glad you are come back as a friend of the family you may perhaps honour us with your advice on the present occasion indeed exclaimed lady greystock i suppose his lordship is at as great a loss to know what can be done as we are was the colonel in a situation to make any reparation but a married man only think how horrible execrable monster cried lord mortimer starting from his seat and traversing the room it were a deed of kindness to mankind to extirpate him from the earth but say continued he and his voice faltered as he spoke where is the unfortunate he could not pronounce the name of amanda in her own room replied the marchioness i assure you she behaved with not a little insolence on lady greystock advising her to return home for my part i shall let her act as she pleases she then proceeded to mention the marquis's resolution of leaving the house till she had quitted it and that he insisted on their accompanying him to return to her father is certainly the only eligible plan she can pursue said lord mortimer but allow me continued he to request that your ladyship will not impute to insolence any expression which dropped from her pity her wounded feelings and soften her sorrows i declare cried lady euphrasia i thought i should have fainted from the pity i felt for her you pitied her then said lord mortimer sitting down by her ladyship you pitied and soothed her afflictions yes indeed replied she if ever lady euphrasia appeared pleasing in the eyes of lord mortimer it was at this moment when he was credulous enough to believe she had shed the tear of pity over his lost amanda he took her hand ah my dear lady euphrasia said he in an accent of melting softness perhaps even now she needs consolation a gentle female friend would be a comfort to her wounded heart lady euphrasia immediately took the hint and said she would go to her he led her to the door 
you are going cried he to perform the office of an angel to console the afflicted ah well does it become the young and gentle of your sex to pity such misfortunes her ladyship retired but not indeed to the chamber of the forlorn amanda in her own she vented the rage of her soul in something little short of execrations against lord mortimer for the affection she saw he still retained for amanda on her ladyship's retiring lady greystock mentioned every particular she had heard from mrs jennings and bitterly lamented her having ever taken amanda under her protection the subject was too painful to be long endured by lord mortimer he had heard of the early hour fixed for their journey and seeing he would no longer keep the ladies from repose precipitately retired he gave his man directions to watch their motions and inform him when they left town exhausted by the violence of her emotions a temporary forgetfulness stole over the senses of amanda on her being left to solitude in this state she continued till roused by a bustle in the house she started listened and heard the sound of a carriage supposing it to be the one she had ordered for her departure she sprang from the bed and going to the window saw instead of one for her the marquises into which he was handing the ladies as soon as it drove from the door she rang the bell and the housekeeper immediately appeared as mrs jane had attended the marchioness to the villa amanda inquired whether a carriage as she directed had been engaged for her the housekeeper replied the hour in which she spoke was too late for such a purpose but she had now sent about one amanda endeavoured to exert herself and was packing up her clothes when a maid entered the chamber and said lord mortimer was below and wished to speak to her tumultuous joy pervaded the mind of amanda she had believed it probable she should not see him again before her departure for ireland from whence she had determined writing to him the particulars of the affair his visit seemed to announce he thought not unfavourably of her she supposed he came to assure her that his opinion of her integrity was unshaken and i shall yet triumph cried she in the transport of the idea over malice and treachery she sprung past the maid her feet scarce touched the ground and in a moment she found herself in the arms of lord mortimer which involuntarily opened to receive her for trembling weak and disordered she would else on seeing him have sunk to the floor he supported her to a sofa in a little time she raised her head from his shoulder and exclaimed oh you are come i know you are come to comfort me would to heaven he answered i were capable of either giving or receiving comfort the period however i trust may yet arrive when we shall both at least be more composed to mitigate your sorrows would lessen my own for never oh never can my heart forget the love and esteem it once bore amanda once bore her repeated amanda once bore her lord mortimer do you say then you wish to imply they no longer exist the tone of anguish in which she spoke pierced the heart of lord mortimer unable to speak he arose 
and walked to the window to hide his emotion his words his silence all conveyed a fatal truth to amanda she saw a dreadful and eternal separation effected between her and lord mortimer she beheld herself deprived of reputation loaded with calumny and no longer an object of love but of detestation and contempt her anguish was almost too great to bear yet the pride of injured innocence made her wish to conceal it and as lord mortimer stood at the window she determined to try and leave the room without his knowledge but ere she gained the door her head grew giddy her strength failed she staggered faintly screamed on finding herself falling and sunken upon the floor lord mortimer wildly called for assistance he raised and carried her back to the sofa he strained her to his bosom kissed her pale lips and wept over her i have wounded your gentle soul my amanda cried he but i have tortured my own by doing so ah still dearest of women did the world compassionate your errors as i compassionate them neither contempt nor calumny would ever be your portion how pale she looked said he raising his head to gaze upon her face how like a lovely flower untimely faded yet were it happiness for her never to revive a soul like hers originally noble must be wretched under the pressure of scorn execrable belgrave the fairest work of heaven is destroyed by you oh my amanda my distress is surely severe though anguish rives my heart for your loss i must conceal it the sad luxury of grief will be denied me for the world would smile if i could say i now lamented you such were the effusions of sorrow which broke from lord mortimer over the insensible amanda the housekeeper who had been listening all this time now appeared as if in obedience to his call and offered her assistance in recovering amanda heavy sighs at length gave hopes of her restoration lord mortimer unable to support her pathetic lamentations determined to depart ere she was perfectly sensible miss fitzland said he to the housekeeper will wish i am convinced to quit this house immediately i shall take upon myself to procure her a carriage also a proper attendant for her journey which i flatter myself she will be able to commence in a few hours be kind be gentle to her my good woman and depend on my eternal gratitude when she has recovered deliver her this letter the housekeeper promised to observe his injunctions and he departed to ireland with amanda he intended sending an old female servant who had formerly been an attendant of his mother's and his own man he was shocked at the conduct of the marchioness and lady greystock and thought them guilty of the highest inhumanity in thus deserting amanda the letter he had put into the housekeeper's hands excited her curiosity so strongly that she was tempted to gratify it amanda was not in a situation to perceive what she did the letter could easily be sealed again and in short without longer hesitation she opened it how great was her amazement on finding it contained a bank-note for five hundred pounds the words were as follows consider me amanda in the light of a brother as such except my services to serve you in any manner will be a source of consolation which i flatter myself you will be happy to allow me 
tis necessary you should return immediately to your father hesitate not then about using the enclosed your complying with my request will prove that you yet retain a friendship for mortimer what a sum cried the housekeeper as she examined the note what a nice little independency would this in addition to what i have already saved be for an honest woman what a pity it is such a creature as it is designed for should possess it the housekeeper like her lady was fertile in invention to be sure there was some danger in her present scheme but for such a prize it was worth her while to run some risk could she but get amanda off ere the carriage from lord mortimer arrived she believed all would succeed as she could wish amanda ignorant as she was of lord mortimer's intentions would not consequently be influenced by them to oppose anything she could do full of this idea she ran out and calling a footman high in her favour desired him immediately to procure a travelling chaise for miss fitzalan she then returned to amanda who was just beginning to move come come cried she going to her and roughly shaking her shoulder have done with those tragedy airs and prepare yourself against the carriage you ordered comes it will be at the door in a few minutes amanda looked round the room is lord mortimer gone then said she lord to be sure he is cried the housekeeper he left you on the floor and as he went out he said you should never have another opportunity of deceiving him a sudden frenzy seemed to seize amanda she wrung her hands called upon lord mortimer in the impassioned language of despair and flung herself on the ground exclaiming this last stroke is more than i can bear the housekeeper grew alarmed lest her agitation should retard her departure she raised her forcibly from the ground and said she must compose herself to begin her journey which was unavoidable as the marchioness had given absolute orders to have her sent from the house early in the morning a cursed house said amanda whose reason was restored by the strenuous remonstrances of the housekeeper oh that i had never entered it she then told her companion if she would assist her as she was almost too weak to do anything for herself she would be ready against the carriage came the housekeeper and maid accordingly attended her to her chamber the former brought her drops and the latter assisted in putting on her habit and packing up her clothes amanda having secured her trunks desired they might be sent but the first opportunity to castle carberry she had left a great many clothes there so took nothing at present with her but a small quantity of linen she had but a few guineas in her purse her watch however was valuable and if she had money enough to carry her to dublin she knew there she might procure a sufficient sum on it to carry her home at last the carriage came with a trembling frame and half-broken heart amanda entered it she saw nicholas the footman who had procured it ready mounted to attend her she told him it was unnecessary to do so but he declared he could not think of letting so young a lady travel unprotected she was pleased at this attention she had shuddered at the idea of her forlorn situation and now dropped a tear of sweet sensibility at finding she was not utterly deserted by every human being the carriage took the road to park gate as amanda chose to embark from thence the journey being so much nearer to it than to holyhead it was now about eight o'clock after travelling four hours the chaise stopped at a small house on the roadside which appeared to be a common ale-house amanda was unwilling to enter it but the horses were here to be changed and she was shown into a dirty parlour where almost sinking with weakness she ordered tea to be immediately brought in 
she was much astonished as she sat at the tea-table to see nicholas enter the room with a familiar air and seat himself by her she stared at him at first supposing him intoxicated but perceiving no signs of this in his countenance began to fear that the insult she had received at the marquis's made him think himself authorized to treat her with this insolence she arose abruptly and summoning all her resolution to her aid desired him to retire adding if his attendance was requisite she would ring for him nicholas also quitted his seat and following her caught her in his arms exclaiming bless us how hoity-toity you are grown amanda shrieked and stamped on the floor in an agony of terror and indignation why now really said he after what happened at home i think you need not be so coy with me oh save me heaven from this wretch was all the affrighted amanda could articulate the door opened a waiter appeared and told nicholas he was wanted without nicholas released amanda and ran directly from the room amanda sunk upon a chair and her head turned giddy at the idea of the dangers with which she was surrounded she saw herself in the power of a wretch perhaps wretches for the house seemed a proper place for scenes of villainy without the means of delivering herself she walked to the window a confused idea of getting through it and running from the house darted into her mind but she turned from it in agony at seeing a number of countrymen drinking before it she now could only raise her feeble hands to heaven to supplicate its protection she passed some minutes in this manner when the lock turned and made her shudder but it was the landlady alone who entered she came she said with nicholas's respectful duty and she was sorry he was obliged to go back to town without seeing her safe to her journey's end is he really gone asked amanda with all the eagerness of joy yes the woman said a person had followed him from london on purpose to bring him back is the carriage ready cried amanda she was informed it was let me fly then the landlady impeded her progress to tell her the bill was not yet settled amanda pulled out her purse and besought her not to detain her this the woman had no desire to do things were therefore settled without delay between them and amanda was driven with as much expedition as she could desire from the terrifying mansion the chaise had proceeded about two miles when in the middle of a solitary road or rather lane by the side of a wood it suddenly stopped amanda alarmed at every incident hastily looked out and inquired what was the matter but how impossible to describe her terror when she beheld colonel belgrave and nicholas standing by him she shrunk back and entreated the postilion to drive on but he heeded not her entreaty nicholas opened the door and belgrave sprang into the carriage amanda attempted to burst open the door at the opposite side but he caught her to his bosom and the horses set off at full speed colonel belgrave's valet had been secreted by mrs jane the preceding night in the house that he might be able to give his master intelligence of all that passed within it in consequence of his being discovered in the closet on hearing the family were gone to the marquis's villa belgrave believed he could easily prevail on the domestics to deliver up amanda to him elated with this hope he reached the house attended by his valet just after she had quitted it the housekeeper hesitated to inform him of the road she had taken till she had procured what she knew would be the consequence of her hesitation a large bribe horses were then immediately procured and belgrave and his servants set off in pursuit of amanda the sight of a travelling chaise at the little inn already mentioned prompted their inquiries and on finding the chaise waited for amanda the colonel retired to a private room sent for nicholas and secured him in his interest it was settled they should repair to the wood by which the postilion was bribed to pass and from thence proceed to a country house of the colonel's their scheme accomplished nicholas happy in the service he had done or rather the reward he had obtained for that service again turned his face towards london 
the carriage and attendance lord mortimer procured for amanda arrived even earlier than the housekeeper had expected and she blessed her lucky stars for the precipitancy with which she had hurried off amanda they were followed by his lordship himself whose wretched heart could not support the idea of letting amanda depart without once more beholding her great was his dismay his astonishment when the housekeeper informed him she was gone gone he repeated changing colour the housekeeper said that without a knowledge miss fitzland had a chaise hired and the moment it came to the door stepped into it notwithstanding she was told his lordship meant to provide everything proper for her journey himself but she said my lord cried the housekeeper she wanted none of your care and that she could never get fast enough from a house or from people where and by whom she had been so ill-treated lord mortimer asked if she had any attendant and whether she took the letter the housekeeper answered both these questions in the affirmative truly my lord she continued i believe your lordship said something in that letter which pleased her for she smiled on opening it and said well well this is something like comfort and was she really so mean he was on the point of asking but he timely checked a question which was springing from a heart that sickened at finding the object of its tenderest affections unworthy in every respect of possessing them every idea of this kind soon gave way to anxiety on her account his heart misgave him at her undertaking so long a journey under the protection of a common servant and unable to endure his apprehensions he determined instantly to pursue and see her safe himself to the destined port the woman who had hitherto sat in the chaise was ordered to return home he entered it with eagerness and promised liberally to reward the postilions if they used expedition they had changed horses but once when lord mortimer saw nicholas approaching whom at the first glance he knew he stopped the carriage and called out where have you left miss vitsalin faith my lord cried nicholas instantly stopping and taking off his hat in very good company i left her with colonel belgrave who was waiting by appointment on the road for her oh horrible infatuation said lord mortimer that nothing can snatch her from the arms of infamy the postillion desired to know whether he should return to london lord mortimer hesitated and at last desired him to go on according to his first directions he resolved to proceed to parkgate and discover whether amanda had returned to ireland they had not proceeded far when they overtook a travelling chaise as lord mortimer passed he looked into it and beheld amanda reclined on the bosom of belgrave he trembled universally closed his eyes and sighed out of the name of the perfidious amanda when they had gone some way before the other chaise he desired the postilion to strike off into another road which by a circuit of a few miles would bring them back to london amanda it was evident had put herself under the protection of belgrave and to know whether she went to ireland was now of little consequence to him as he supposed her unreclaimable but how impossible to describe his distress and confusion when almost the first object he beheld on alighting in st james's square was his aunt lady martha dormer who in compliance with his urgent request had hastened to london had a spectre crossed his sight he could not have been more shocked well my dear frederick said her ladyship you see i lost no time in obeying your wishes i have flown hither i may indeed say on the wings of love but where is this little divinity of thine i long to have a peep at her goddess ship lord mortimer inexpressibly shocked turned to the window i shall see to be sure cried her ladyship quite a little paragon positively frederick i will be introduced this very evening my dear aunt my dear lady martha cried lord mortimer impatiently for heaven's sake spare me but tell me she continued when i shall commence this attack upon your father's heart never never sighed mortimer half distracted what you suppose he will prove inflexible but i do not despair of convincing you to the contrary 
tell me frederick when the little charmer is to be seen oh god cried mortimer striking his forehead she is lost said he she is lost for ever lady martha was alarmed she now for the first time noticed the wild and pallid looks of her nephew gracious heaven she exclaimed what is the matter the dreadful explanation lord mortimer now found himself under a necessity of giving the shame of acknowledging he was so deceived the agony he suffered from that deception joined to the excessive agitation and fatigue he had suffered the preceding night and the present day so powerfully assailed him at this moment that his senses suddenly gave way and he actually fainted on the floor what a sight for the tender lady martha she saw something dreadful had happened and what this was lord mortimer as soon as recovered informed her he then retired to his chamber he could neither converse nor bear to be conversed with his fondest hopes were blasted nor could he forego the sad indulgence of mourning over them in solitude he felt almost convinced that the hold amanda had on his affections could not be withdrawn he considered her as scarcely less than his wife and had she been really such her present conduct could not have given him more anguish had she been snatched from him by the hand of death had she been wedded to a worthy character he could have summoned fortitude to his aid but to find her the prey of a villain was a stroke too horrible to bear at least for a long period with patience End of chapter 29 part 2